0: Welcome to Day 2 Cloud, where the topic today is visibility, hybrid cloud visibility with a side of Kubernetes to be specific. VMware has come alongside as today's sponsor for a discussion about vRealize Operations Cloud to give you that visibility. Visibility into what, you might ask. That is a fair question. Visibility into your workloads and whether or not they are performing optimally. Are they over or under provisioned? Visibility into your dependencies so you understand how applications are impacted by problems with various infrastructure components. Visibility into your capacity so you know if you're going to need more before next year, which is sort of a big deal considering global supply chain problems. You get the idea. We're going to talk about it in more detail as we go. Our guests to help us get a handle on vRealize Operations Cloud are Sujatha David, Director of Product Management, and David Pham, Senior Product Marketing Manager, both at VMware. Sujatha and David, welcome to Day 2 Cloud. Sujatha, I want to direct the first question to you. For those folks who maybe don't know what vRealize Operations and vRealize Operations Cloud is all about, give us that pitch. Give us the overview of the product
1: all right thank you ethan thank you for having me and david on the show we are super excited to be here first and foremost and i love the introduction that you already gave about our product so let me build on that we realize operations truly provides the self-driving management to manage increasingly complex multi-cloud environments Now we're talking about the complexity where customers are expanding their footprint beyond just their private cloud. They want public cloud. They are using their own managed clouds and so on and so forth. So we realize operations provides that consistency that they can use one tool To manage these multiple different infrastructures gives them the way you said this word earlier, visibility, to get that visibility of their workloads across these various clouds and give them automation, security, Mm -hmm. governance to properly manage their systems and those most important critical applications across multiple cloud environments. Okay. Now let me also talk about um, the personas. Now, different personas may come and use the tool. They may be folks that are focused only on capacity management. There are others who are very interested in the performance of the applications. The tool is built in such a way that any of these personas can come, specify their business intent and operational intent, and manage it. That they want to manage that infrastructure, so let me pause. I can go on and on yes. and on. But let me pause. Well, we got a lot more and questions to, to ask you here. But
0: you you definitely <laughs> hit for the uh, the marketing buzzword uh, bingo cycle. So we got a lot of them in there. So during the rest of the show, we're gonna we're gonna get you to defend the buzzwords and explain right. in more nerdy technical detail what's yes. really going on here. But what we'll, we we'll get the big idea. V, v Realize operations is all about. Uh, Again, that visibility of workloads across a bunch of different cloud environments in one unified tool that can look differently depending on who's looking at it and what sort of data that they need to consume.
2: Yeah. My question that I want to jump in here with is I think Ethan mentioned at the top, we're also talking about vRealize Operations Cloud. So I'm assuming that brings something else to the offering beyond the things that you just talked about. What is vRealize Operations Cloud versus just the vRealize? software offering.
1: Absolutely. So the v Realize Operations product has been in the market for more than eight years. It's a pretty mature product, and hence we have really a great maturity in the offering. And um, the word that we use for VRealize Operations product is the self-driving operations aspect of it. There's self-remediation. There's a whole bunch of uh, technology that's been built into the product. Now, the SaaS portion of it, or the cloud, VROps ops cloud, is essentially to stand for providing all of the self-driving operations as a service. Now, what does that mean for the user It means that you don't have to worry about even installing the product, maintaining it, upgrading it, and having that hardware that you need to set aside if you need to manage large workloads. So VMware will come and do it for you. So essentially, you're outsourcing the management of the tool that manages your workloads and So VROps, VRealize Operations Cloud is essentially software as a service of the on-prem offering, which is the VRealize Operations. Got
3: it. Okay, very good. And the so, awesome thing about that is you just get that faster time to innovation. A lot of the customers are excited to get the latest features. Uh, when you make these announcements, like, oh, shoot, do we have this schedule maintenance window? Uh, do we have to stage everything? And, you know, make sure that it's not going to crash the environment and, you know, spend time for, you know, after hours and the weekends. That sucks uh, for a lot of the uh, folks that have to manage and deploy things out. But, again, we do it for you. So, yeah. you get that, you know, yeah. flexibility.
0: Uh, Awfully so- straightforward, David, to do the install for the for the SaaS flavor here for VR Operations Cloud, um, <laughs> v- realize Operations Cloud. It was basically instantiated, feed it, feeded some credentials, stand up a cloud proxy so that it, the the SaaS instantiation can get to whatever the resources are it's supposed to manage, and that was kind of it, yeah. you know. And then just starts gathering metrics and off you go. So. Well let's talk about the services that can be managed with vROps Cloud. Okay, we talked about you can manage workloads in a bunch of different places. Well, this is a VMware product so does that mean like I'm limited to kind of like the VMware world, vSphere and vMC and vSAN and that kind of stuff or give us the the overview.
3: We support, you know, a extended list of native and 30 uh, third-party managed packs. So you can connect, uh, you know, from everything from your physical devices, your SANS, routers, and switches, uh, all the way up to the application layer, uh, whether you were in the, you know, virtual machines, uh, Kubernetes, uh, containers, and all the way up to the public cloud, uh, you know, the public uh, 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 native clouds such as AWS, uh, Microsoft Azure, Google Cloud Platform, uh, for additional insight and information. So, I mean, we'll talk across the whole entire data center stack, it's uh, top to bottom.
0: Uh, you said something important there to that stuck out to me. I was thinking of this because I think in terms of infrastructure uh, first and it handles that. But you also said applications, So it moves up the stack so I can throw, I don't know, SQL server. or something at, at this. And mm-hmm. if there's a plug for it, it will tell me SQL server level kinds of things that are interesting to me.
3: Absolutely. So we—it's an extensive, extensive uh, list of you know applications and third-party managed packs that's going to give you, um, you know, that complete visibility. And another thing is that um, through our recent acquisition of Blue Medora, we have what we call the uh, the realized true visibility suite. I mean, that's going to give you all the uh, extensive visibilities and extensibilities too. From I'm um, going to want to talking about complete infrastructure, as apps to infrastructure to the cloud.
1: And let me add a couple more points to what David just said. Um, We know our customers use all kinds of application performance monitoring tools. And so in vRealize operations, we allow you to have those integrations. If you're using Dynatrace, AppDynamics, Relic, whatever your choice, what we let customers do is bring in that data into vRealize operations. So again, as I mentioned earlier, our goal is to have give our customers one tool that they can use to manage all of their infrastructure and application. And so there is integrations to these other application monitoring tools, and also with our recent um, enhancement to include open source Telegraph agent, we now have support for two hundred plus applications. So customers can come enable management packs, and or if they have the open source telegraph, and it's it's up to you whatever you want to manage, bring those metrics into V-Realize operations and manage it holistically from one place.
0: Yeah, this gets really interesting when we start talking about dependency mapping, which I know I know this product can do, and we're going to get mm-hmm. into that a bit later. Uh, but one more piece is that I'm curious about is Kubernetes. Is that mm-hmm. like I uh, my dev stood up a Kubernetes cluster and wants the wants it to be managed and monitored is is it like that or is it like mostly Tanzu kind of stuff
3: yeah, okay we, we have integrations with you know all your kubernetes uh, especially tanzu kubernetes grid uh, with the vmware but you know it's, it is a first- class citizen so if you want to look at your um, I'm talking like in your pods to containers yeah. uh down to the cluster level to kind of see all the information so i mean you the relationship mapping what uh, cluster belongs to what data center belongs to it's so all the storage and capacity you can change it so as you deploy you have errors or maybe uh, you need to have some compliance and get a learning from that you do get that relationship mapping so you if you need to trouble shoot something, you can actually see the root cause of that, not just uh, result resolving or fixing uh, that particular um, instance, uh, for example. Hmm. So a lot of times you're just looking at that moment in time, but you're not really resolving the uh, what the root of the evil is. say. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yeah, well, it's always the network, right, Ethan? Uh, I think yeah. That's, uh, that's always the answer. Come on, <laughs> come on. <It's> a <laughs> come <issue. laughs>
1: Well, since he's through about the network, let me also say that we do have integration with VRealize Network Insight. So yeah. if people are throwing things at Ethan, he can turn around and say, uh-uh-uh, let me show you. <laughs> and so you can have the integration again inside of your apps where you can say, here's all the network flow that's coming in not my problem, wherever the problem is, right? So then it does help you to truly have that complete visibility, including network.
0: And if you're (laughs) in the audience, uh, we did a show on the network insight component of this, by the way, you can search on packetpushers.net and find that.
3: So when we say unified uh, across the entire data center stack, I think we really mean unified across (laughs) it. Right.
2: What I'd like to drill down to now is maybe some of the major use cases where people are rolling out or you, or you think people might roll out uh, VR Ops cloud, uh, especially if they don't already have VR Ops in their data center. Uh, David, what are some of the major use cases you're seeing
3: where this technology is being applied? So, so what, that's one of the key things is, um, you know, when we talk about the network problem, right, it's really reducing that finger pointing. Uh, when they're deploying things out. Well, like I said, it's uh, that's an application. I don't have visibility into the VMs uh, from the network team and, and vice versa, the applications like, well, everything's looking good on my side. It must be some kind of uh, network flow uh, issues. But the, the, I, the key point of this is really to uh, meet the modern engineer, uh, the DevOps personas, um, to your traditional IT ops, your sys admins and so forth. And also what we're seeing is you kind of have a, a mixture of your um, you know virtual admins and your cloud admins. You know, um, a lot of times, uh, the the VMware guys or the infrastructure guys don't speak cloud, uh, and then vice versa. These modern cloud engineers will. I don't really do these on-prem stuff. So things like you know integration with VMware Cloud, for example. So we have uh, VMware Cloud on AWS. We have uh, Azure VMware Services. We have GCBE, a Google Cloud VMware Engine. So this kind of brings that. VMware terminology, what you're familiar with. So you can easily transition and deploy your, you know, um, your objects. Uh, when we say objects, now it's VM containers and everything into the cloud. Uh, so you can understand it. You don't have to uh, have that that time to understand, how, you know, if you're following the best practices. So you everything that you're familiar with on-prem and vice versa, you know, if you're going from the top down, uh, if you're familiar with a lot of the, uh, you know, public cloud services, it's easier to move some of these services down to on-prem, whether it might be data sovereignty issues, or maybe security purposes, you know, or financial or healthcare that requires that you know, it's, these have to be on prem. So, kind of really speaks to both uh, personas or multiple personas that, with this unified uh, platform.
0: Well, okay. So you mentioned you know reduce finger pointing as you kind of led into that that bit. Um, now, a lot of people that use monitoring <laughs> software, they think about visibility software. They may go back in time and think about in terms of red light, green light would that be i mean that would be a very shallow way to look at this but can i use this product in that way too
3: yeah so um i guess one thing i want to kind of talk as well we you know another thing with the uh, you know integration where you're going to get with everything is uh, we are integrated with um be log login site right so we'd say red light green light hey you're getting these alerts hey uh do yeah. you live and die off this you know uh, something dying or maybe it's green like hey Somebody's uh, logging on, you know, nothing's mad, you know, nothing's bad here, but uh, just a heads up, you know, but uh, basically when we talk about this, is, you know, when we talk about the integration with Loginsight Cloud, um, it acts as a uh, auditing tool, right? Hey, anytime somebody opens and enters accesses in this VMs, or uh, if there's some kind of error, it's gonna give you alerting. We have integrations with Slack, uh, with PagerDuty, right? So you can respond to everything in real time. so that's one of the key things is that, you know, we have data retention uh, requirements, right? So that's one of the key things that um, URES operations and all its many integrations with, with all the complete uh, public cloud and VMware uh, data center stack is to give you the ability to respond and see things in real time. Um, you know, whether it's capacity, uh, application issues, or compliance, uh, when talk about compliance, it's you mentioned that that's the fourth value tenet of the self-driving data center. And, you know, you can measure against your vSphere hardening guidelines. Um, you have six out-of-the-box uh, compliance uh, templates, um, HIPAA, PCI, disma DISA, ISO, and CIS. But again, if you have tons of other ones that you need to uh, follow, by, I mean, you can create these custom compliance templates as well. So when something drifts uh, within that uh, template, that you get alerted, you respond to it, and you're uh, back in the green light. No, no red light.
0: All right, we get it. There's there's a lot you can do here and it sounds like this is one of those tools that once you get it stood up and if you're using it maximally, it becomes kind of a centerpiece of your of your operations. Now, the way you folks describe this product via Ops Cloud is around four pillars. Um and when we were talking about this prepping for the show, you described it to me as uh, as workload optimization, capacity planning, uh, integrated compliance, which you were just mentioning, David, and uh, and also mm-hmm. intelligent troubleshooting—not just troubleshooting, but you know, get some get some brains around it, so you can really drill into the problem quickly. Intelligent,
3: so we call it intelligent uh, troubleshooting. Yes. <laughs> it knows, it knows <laughs> everything. Uh, something goes wrong, so you don't have to spend too much time uh, to figure it out.
0: So, what we want to do going forward is get get nerdy with it, built around these four pillars, and. Uh, Uh, That is, let's look at Workload Optimization, Capacity, Planning, Compliance, and uh, Intelligent Troubleshooting in more detail. Uh, The first one then is Workload Optimization. So if we, I want to understand what we mean by, first of all, workload. What kind of workloads are we talking about that I can deal with here? VMs, containers, others, how do you mean workload in this context?
3: So, with, when you say workload, I mean that's 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 everything. You know, it could be your, your applications, uh, you know, your web servers, databases. It uh, could be your native, uh, you know, public cloud app, you know, Kubernetes, uh, Tanzu, for example. So anything that you uh, can you want to deploy in infrastructure, we are able to to uh, visualize it. We're able to help manage it, and then we uh, and ultimately we can help optimize it. So we're we talking about you know. Um, or performance optimization. This is driven by that predefined business and operational intent. Um, so saying if you wanna have everything completely balanced across your clusters and data centers, uh, it will do that automatically. Uh, or if you wanna do consolidation, you know what, hey, fill up each um, each data center, each cluster first before you start, you know, moving your workloads to another one. So uh, this is all done by that predictive uh, DRS. Um, that's, and that's kind of the uh, the engine behind that there. That's uh, one of the
2: more challenging things I think of in optimization is that what's optimal for my organization and my application may not be optimal for your organization application. Maybe I have a requirement that I need 20% of overhead and you like to run real lean, like 99% to the hilt all the time. So what are we talking about when we say optimize and how do we customize that optimization for the organization?
3: So, um, so, so, so that's the thing, you, you have these thresholds, like exactly what you're saying, well, what does optimal mean for me? Well, I need to be optimal because if I have, uh, uh, one of my buddies in Philadelphia had a power outage, right, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so, so the thing is, you know, being optimal is okay, well, uh, I need to make sure that I have at least 50% availability. So I can move all my workloads over, you know, and that's one of the key things there. Um, but in other things, a lot of uh, other businesses, they don't have that flexibility to run a 50%. That's expensive. I mean, you got to have, you know, another, the budget's there. I mean, you have to run really lean. So that's one of the key things is, you know, maybe burning optimal is, you know, cost optimization, right? So I have to make sure that, hey, uh, you know, I cross my fingers, hope everything's better. I need to maximize my, uh, current resources. So, you know, and that's one of the things that, you know, when talking about consolidation, we want to make sure that uh, we're using uh, as much as resources that we have before we start spending and deploying out, uh, uh, you know, more infrastructure. And that's one another thing is um, where the SaaS solution really kind of helps coming out. So again, if we should um, run into this, um, you know, restraint, we can actually uh, connect to the cloud, we can deploy things out, and that'll be our backup there without, you know, thinking about, you know, actually real estate, uh, physical real estate that we have to, uh, you know, expand and uh, scale out there.
1: A couple more points to that, because this is one of those really important things for our cloud admins and infrastructure admins as they deal with um, netted as an important question, right? For each person, optimization may mean different things. And you may be wanting to optimize for performance. Somebody may, and the same person, sometimes it's all within the same uh, cloud admin who needs to do all of this. They may want to optimize for performance for some of them, optimize for capacity. And depending on that workload or that application, you may want to do your placement for what we call as VM happiness. We want to make sure this critical VM is always happy. It's always in the green state. So. As a V-Realize Operations admin, you get c- to come in and specify what those business intents are or those optimization intents are. And um, and uh, let me add this other thing that we have what is known as what-if analysis. So you don't even have to go do this before you try it out. So you can come into V-Realize Operations and run these what-if analyses to see what will happen if I were to do this? If I were to do my load balancing across this cluster, what will be my impact? So you can run such analysis so that you know what the impact is going to be. And then as David was saying, you can automate it so that you can even say policies and go, if you see such and such threshold, go ahead and do this optimization for me. So the... Cloud admin, VI admin really has all the powers and the tooling that they need to make, take care of these optimizations.
0: So I want to know what kind of optimizations we can do. So things like maybe uh, the VM is, needs more RAM, it needs more CPU or even GPU. Um, I, I can do that kind of stuff, I assume. Um, but then you also mentioned higher level functions like like load balancing across a cluster, where maybe I'd change uh, how my load balancing is being done. Can Can you talk me through the sorts of optimizations that I might see?
3: Yeah, sure. So there's two two stories here, right? You can uh, you have your uh, VMs that are. Uh, uh, over provisioned, you know, they they get too much food, too much resources, and they're the ones that uh, other VMs that are resource starved. You know, hey, I need some nutrition. I'm not getting enough uh, love and tender love and attention here. So that's the thing that when we talk about you know balanced on that stuff. Well, uh, what the uh, operations cloud can do is that actually look at this. You know, I hey, you know we're we're wasting a lot of resources here on these VMs that are not using it. Uh, they're over provisioned. Um, they're giving up too much capacity. Or maybe they're sitting idle, right? So we can actually reclaim these orphans. You know, we talk about orphan VMs. Everybody's just deploying these VMs out. Maybe they use it for a while, now they're orphans. So we can reclaim all those orphan VMs. Um, Ones that have been powered on, not being utilized, and then give it these resources to the resource-starved ones. So we can talk about you know the, the noisy neighbor, for example. You know I'm, I'm sitting here, but you're just you know I'm not doing anything, but you're 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 using all these resources. So we can balance things out. Um, another thing is we talk about you know um, you know capacity optimization too, right? But mm-hmm. um, we have this real-time capacity analytics engine. It's it's forward-looking, so it runs through your data using machine learning and it does pattern matching it is pattern recognition and is able to quickly tell uh, customers when they start running out of capacity so it's just this forecasting engine so um and when we talk about time remaining um, you know you have this graph so based on historical data how much utilization has been used so that way when you talk about you know end of year or future uh, planning uh, how much capacity do we need to to grow by so to tell you exactly i mean to the day um, how much uh, time before you run out of capacity and again based on historical data collections the more data we have the better uh, the smaller that forecasting band um will be able to predict uh, how much time we have uh, available there
0: so focusing on workload optimization for a second david um will vr ops cloud will it uh, recommend things that should be done or will it yeah. do things and say like hey this was an over vm with way a whole bunch of ram it never used this other one needed it. I kind of moved the RAM. I changed the RAM allocations for you. Job done.
3: Yeah. So you get three options. You can you can schedule it. Um, say hey, every uh, Friday night at uh, 9 p.m. Go ahead and do it for me. Or you can do it manually. You know, it's like I don't want you to do it. Uh, you know, manually. Let me let me figure out whenever I want to do it. Or the third option is that you can automate it. You know, hey. I see it let me do it for you mm-hmm. so you think about this teenager right who well, you how much do you trust uh, your teenager to come home at a certain time mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's the thing Say, like, hey wait, go ahead come <laughs> down this time oh hey, let me give you a text hey it's a uh, an hour before you should uh, come you know expect uh, home or you know it's full trust you know they'll be home when they'll be home so 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 they, it gives you that comfort of knowing that you can schedule it doing it your own or do it you know just do it for me if you see it do it so
0: what happens when the workload is sitting on a piece of metal that's out of resources, it needs more, but there is no more CPU. There is no more RAM to give it. Can I do something like V motion that workload somewhere else or, or something like that?
3: Yeah, absolutely. And that's what, the, you know, the, the, performance, performance optimization for, so, you know, you can set your, uh, you know, uh, predefined business and operations tense, right? Oh, uh, for number one, we're we talking about, you know, uh, business intent. Um, okay, well, Hey, this is all my uh, database clusters. What the heck is this web server doing here? You're not supposed to be in this group. Uh, you know, move, get out. So I'm gonna be uh, motion these uh, uh, web servers that don't belong in my database cluster, move it to your, your you know, your, to the other web server uh, clusters so that way we can uh, consolidate everything. So to meet, you know, uh, SLA's for example, and licensing requirements. And now you have your operational intent. So, hey, uh, now that we're, you know, have a certain uh, uh, data centers and hosts. it's supposed to be uh, no more than seventy percent across uh, you know utilization. So yeah. hey, if it hits ground seventy five, I see another one running out of forty. Hey, let me balance it. Let me motion this automatically for you so we can meet these operational uh, predefined mm-hmm. intents
0: now, can an intent be client sensitive? That is, maybe I've got a client that's hitting a workload and there's a lot of latency. does uh v realize ops cloud care about the client side or or is it focused on you know the the metal and the infrastructure so to speak
3: so i mean you the the, the flexibility i mean you have a lot of that flexibility to define your uh, intention so absolutely it's not based on the metal on the hardware so again we talk about uh, you have tags you have out of the box tags or you can create your own custom tags you know for example so hey when we talk about um, resource utilization uh, operating systems I mean, it's a number of things that you can really automate this uh, to, to really identify who and what uh, belongs to what applications and how much resources that we have in this resource pool uh, hmm. that is available for uh, the, the objects. And when I say objects, that's all your applications and virtual machines and containers and and everything in that inventory.
0: Now, you mentioned capacity, and that was another one of our pillars here. This uh, the capacity planning component. Okay. What kind of capacity can VR Ops cloud keep tabs on? Um, I think obvious things would be like CPU and RAM, but Hey, I'm a network guy. Can it keep track on network stuff as well?
3: <laughs> so this has a lot to do with the uh, network insight integration. Uh, that's going to tell you all the network flows and where you have the bottlenecks, uh, where you have the resource contentions. Um, and that way you're going to get, again, when we talk about this, you'll get all this alerting. So if you need to uh, reconfigure your virtual distributed switches or, um, uh, look, understand, have a deeper look into your network groups. Um, this is where really the network insight integration is going to help you uh, understand that backend network flows and network intentions.
2: So David or, or Sujatha, I'm curious about how VROps cloud approaches cloud capacity, by which I mean managing capacity in the public cloud, because usually the problem is not a lack of capacity, it's actually the inverse of using too much capacity. So what does that look like when you apply it to a public cloud provider?
1: It is pretty much the same as with vSphere. And as I mentioned, that is our intent so that our customers get the same experience regardless of what cloud that they are dealing with. So the capabilities that are available to our customers, be it reclamation of your workload or taking a look to do your right sizing of your workload. The experience is the same whether it is a vSphere environment, a VMware cloud environment or a public cloud environment to kind of follow up of uh, what Ethan was asking us earlier about the capacity planning and how do you do that. One of the things that uh, VROps does for our customers is to first and foremost, give you that visibility on what is happening with your cloud, whichever cloud it is. How much are you currently using? What is the wastage? What are the recommendations we can give you, right? So it starts kind of from there. Let me tell you, What's happening with your system? And then for planning, there's all kinds of the what-if analyses that I was talking about earlier. And so you could be taking a look to see if I was to expand and get more capacity, what does that mean for me from a cost perspective? I know we didn't touch on cost thus far, but that is another big portion of what we do is to let you do your planning both with capacity and the most important dollar numbers in mind. So you could do your what if analysis and say, let's even take a migration use case, right? If you have something private cloud and you're wanting to move it to a public cloud and you want to do some analysis and say, what does it mean for me if I took it to Azure? What does it mean if I took to AWS? versus What does it mean if I took to VMware Cloud? We let our cloud admins do that analysis across the board. And so to kind of bring it back to the question you asked, uh, essentially the capabilities that we have are for all types of cloud, including public cloud.
3: And another, uh, Suchata, I want to add to that is that the cool thing about this as well, most important, how much is it going to cost me? So we do have uh, the what-if uh, scenario planning. That uh, as you move your workloads, you're looking at small, medium, large, uh, you know, templates that you want to deploy your application. on. So we actually have this calculator. It's going to show you, uh, so you know, predictive costs. So you know, as we move up, can can we afford this? And um, do we have budget for this? So and most importantly, as we move the uh, applications in this what-if scenario to the public cloud, it all shows that hey, how much resources am I freeing up down here? So um, with that, can I go ahead and, um, you know, uh, remove some of this old hardware when we talk about hardware refreshes or maybe how much more capacity we have on-premise that we can actually deploy new applications out. So again, uh, going from both sides um, and, and vice versa. Hey, if you want to move some of the workloads back down, do we have the resources available um, on-prem to support uh, incoming applications if you're migrating from cloud down and, and vice versa? Again, the, the cool thing about it is, is actually understanding, seeing that calculator, see how much it will cost if um, you're thinking about migrating um, these workloads up into the cloud,
2: one of the things that's really challenging about right sizing is understanding context, right? Because uh-huh. once again, it comes back to the business context what makes sense and, and what does it mean to right size an application? It, is there a way to express the business intent out to the recommendation engine so it understands? What right sizing means for an application, or is it inferring right sizing through machine learning or something along those lines?
3: okay, so the right sizing like one thing it's a like it's it's a kind of a, a scary part you know, for example, you're talking about their database admins, um, you know personally, from my experience back then when I used to be i t systems admin, is that hey, they want all the resources uh, again, just to make sure they have it for the spikes uh, for right. the busy moments, and the thing is you know again through. The analytics uh, machine learning engine—it'll factor in your averages. It'll look at your highs. It'll look at the lows. So sometimes you might have these anomalies where you have these spikes, and sometimes that could be, you know, due to a, a network issue, We're rose in a point of the network. You know, maybe something happened in the network there that caused a spike, where something went down. But it really understands the historical data, and basically, when we do the right sizing, it importantly not just looks at the uh, the averages, but it looks at the uh, the highs, it looks at the time frames of how often that happens. So, that way, through the, um, the uh, intelligent, um, uh, you know, the artificial intelligence engine in the back end will actually factor in how much resources it will take. But it'll factor in again, it does look at the historical data before it does these right sizing recommendations, uh, whether it's um, you know, scheduled or automated.
1: And, Ned, the, the heart of it is how the admins come and specify their operational intent and their business intent. So to the question you were asking earlier too, some of them may be very application focused. So they can come in and specify these intents based on applications, right? The way they define these groupings if you would and these policies if you would is truly however it is that they want to manage it and we realize operations gives our users that flexibility so they could take it from an approach of here's here are my applications and i'm going to declare my operational intent and business intent based on my applications Or they could come in and say, well, at the end of the day, I'm just managing these infrastructures. And so I'm going to specify these at the infrastructure level. So truly, it is how the flexibility is there for them to define these intents at the level at which they want to manage it. So they can tell us, you know, is it um, balance? Is it capacity? Is it cost? And then, as uh, David was saying, we have our AI ML engine kicking in and doing it the intent based on all the observations we've seen in the infrastructure Hmm.
0: okay so we've covered now workload optimization as a pillar capacity planning as a pillar i want to talk about compliance now which is a a third pillar here in the top of the show we mentioned there were i think you said six out of the box compliance templates covering a variety of uh, regulations Is that the only way to think about compliance here, where we're focused on regulatory compliance, such as HIPAA and SOX, and so on?
3: So, so there's a lot of things. When we talk compliance here, so I mean, we when we create like a custom, um, you know, compliance template uh, for, I'm going to use a real use case. So, you know, for pure storage, for example. So, um, you know, getting that, you know, um, connection with uh, pure storage. Uh, you know, one of the use cases where previous customers is that, hey, well, same thing. Like you get the alerts. You know, um, if you're not using Beam or vSAN, you know, to get those, uh, you know, integrated storage analytics. Um, things with the compliance when we talk about it, is if you have specific uh, clusters, um, you know, that hit a specific uh, threshold. For example, right when you're becoming close to eighty percent of utilization, um, you know, your compliance requires, you know, whether for disaster recovery purposes or, um, you know, high availability. Um, you know, whatever it is that you have that you have to abide by uh, for your customers is that hey, when you're meeting or coming close within these specific thresholds, again, you're going to get alerted. hey, you're you need to better manage your workloads. You need to consider uh, adding extra node or um, you know think about you know, um, reducing some of the, uh, you know, orphan VMs or, you know, objects that are not being utilized. You know, it's kind of a better look into this so then you know, are within the compliance when we're talking about, you know, capacity management, for example, uh, to making sure that you don't have any, you know, bottlenecks as they come up because we're really approaching that, uh, that close to that red line that you should have to, yeah, be aware of.
0: Well, this goes back to the, the 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 custom templating that I can do then. I can set up a template that is arbitrary to whatever my bi- we're using the word intent a lot today, so I'll stick with that. Whatever my intent is for the, <laughs> for the infrastructure, I can set up a, a template that, and then when it is no longer in compliance with that, uh, the Ops can flag me.
3: One of the things is when, when you talk about the flagging, that all kind of ties back into um, you know, uh, same thing with the login site uh, within Azure's operations cloud. So we're going to get flagged, whereas we're looking at a, could be a number of things, You know, uh, you know, certain applications are, uh, making a lot of noise. when we're talking about, you know, resource contention They might be using a ton of CPU or it could be a lot of uh, RAM that's being utilized. So looking at all these, uh, you know, Flags, I would say, for example, it'll help you kind of stay within, um, not kind of, it will help you maintain that compliance to making sure that um, for your, to meet your SLAs uh, for your customers that like this, or that maybe have to better load load balance your, uh, an application, or you need to spin up another instance uh, to support these uh, busy uh these busy moments, uh, for example. So that's one of the key things when we talk about, you know, the the compliance part of that there, just from, you know, from network utilization to Mm. application noise uh, to CPU uh, utilization across your VMs, um, you know, to to either move things somewhere else or uh, maybe just time to deploy another, uh, you know, another application, another instance to help manage these loads.
2: It sounds a lot like uh, Rules Engine. Essentially, you, you've got some rules and some of those are created by VR ops and some of those might be created by the administrator to mm-hmm. <laughs> express an intent or mm-hmm. a, a rule you want to abide by and then some actions to take. Is the rule engine kind of the same across all these different pillars we've been talking about or is it a separate interface for compliance versus capacity versus uh, the workload optimization?
3: so so it's you could do you do everything unified in the release operations cloud but you'll have different dashboards you can create um, a different dashboard so that's why you have um, you know multiple users and admins log into a operations so you can create um, these metrics these dashboards and analytics that are specific to each team so that one, when you log into it, hey, I just need to look at you know uh, you know the compliance part of everything uh, for uh, my peer storage, for example. And then you have another page that's going to be showing all the metrics and dashboards and analytics for my Kubernetes. So that's why you can create them. Um, there's a whole page that you have custom and out of the box metrics and dashboards. So that way you don't have to create or um, you know um, you know define uh, each you know each page if, every time you log in. So it's there. So you look at what you see and then same thing. If you need to correlate uh, specific issues, you can look at all the dashboards, you can integrate it together, kind of look at a specific time. Hey, uh, last week around 1 p.m. on Wednesday, we had, uh, you know, outage or resource contentions across, uh, you know, the. Uh, the data center so you can correlate these graphs look at the super metrics and you can correlate say hey you know what there are actually you know issues across the board from every one of these dashboards so when you do this uh, correlation so you can actually when we talk about the root cause analysis you can look into that deeper and understand uh, across the board what might be happening it could be a you know a, a breach in the environment um again it could have been some natural disaster outages that might have caused something or maybe uh, one of your generators went out and caused uh, you know a cluster to go down and you know, uh, causing a lot of more uh, heavier load and everything else uh, to manage during that time.
2: Okay. Okay. So I've got a rules engine that's churning through all of this, but the way that's presented to different personas will depend on what that person is interested in. If I'm a compliance person, that's the thing I want to view. That's the view that I'll get. Mm -hmm. Assuming that something does happen with compliance, uh, is there remediation that can automatically be applied to a compliance condition, or is it something I'm just getting notified and then I, as the compliance person have to go in and make that change or fix that issue.
3: So, so the awesome thing is, uh, was I mentioned earlier, um, uh, this is applicable across the the, the board. Uh, so, you know, you have three settings, uh, you can say just, you know, just alert me, and I'll do it on my uh, dedicated uh, maintenance window that I can only update and uh, make changes to, or uh, I can schedule it. Hey, we, again, this is our you know um, automatic scheduler. This is the time that we're just gonna do it. I trust it, just go ahead and do it at the specific time. And then, then the third one is the automated one. Say, so, hey, uh, if you see it, do something, fix it. Uh, I want it fully automated. I don't want to do a thing, just see it, give me the alert. I can look at it, and I already know I have comfort knowing that it's already been remediated automatically uh, through that uh, AI ops engine. There,
0: now is there an auditor friendly report that I could generate for certain regulations that I might be getting audited for?
3: Yeah, so all the like, say everything, um, everything that happened, the events and logs and actions. They are um, they are all tracked. So uh, end of the week, if you need to show, uh, you know, or networking or security auditing, it'll show you exactly what's happened, um, what actions were taken. It'll show you timestamps. So um, again, it's a full tracking to to you know to to do weekends or, or uh, monthly auditing to see what happened. And again, just to really improve on the best practices, understand um, you know the uh, set the weakest link in the chain there to understand what you need more visibility and, and attention to.
0: Okay. All right. We are ready for the fourth pillar. And I have, this is my personal favorite. So I have saved this one for last intelligent troubleshooting because I've always been a really big fan of using some kind of a visibility tool to help me get to the bottom of what's going on without me having to go on instinct and start logging into things and checking stuff. I want the tool to tell me, but so I can take all that time off the table and get closer to the problem and get it fixed more quickly so okay if if uh vr ops cloud is going to be that intelligent troubleshooting you know i don't know partner tool if you will so that i don't have to log into all the things I, let's start with this what what is the tools view of my of my infrastructure and, and here's how i mean that we're ta- we've been talking contextually hybrid cloud in this discussion um, we've been talking about kubernetes i've got workloads and stuff everywhere I might not even know because of the complexity of this infrastructure where the apps are, where a dev pushed code to today, uh, what the dependencies even look like until something breaks. What I'm hoping you're going to tell me here is how VROps Cloud fixes that scenario for me and makes it easier for me to solve my uh, problems when they come to me because things are broken.
1: In the beginning of this talk, I started off by saying This is a self-driving operations, right? So this is the heart of what VR Ops does. Um, And we are talking about a really powerful AI and ML engine that lets us do this really powerfully. Um, I wouldn't even want you to consider this as a partner uh, tool, but this is the tool Mm -hmm. for folks to do their troubleshooting and their remediation. And as David talked about earlier, it's really, again, intent driven. It's up to you whether you want to do it fully automated or you just want alerts and you take care of it. But but VROps is really good at putting that AI ML engine to use and do things like even predictive forecasting for you. Right. So we use um, the I know you said this is listened by all of our tech people. So we use a discrete and fast Fourier transformation algorithm for real time forecasting and we apply it across the board. I remember Ned asking us that question about, you know, the things that I do, is it across the various capabilities? And it is we use these predictive forecasting for. Uh, workload placement, for capacity analysis, for right-sizing, and predictive DRS use cases. So, this is like the heart of the uh, realize operations product. Um, and we also do root cause analysis. Uh, Ethan, uh, you started by saying... I might have many, many, um, you know, uh, things that are impacting the output. Will VROps help me understand what's going on? And so this is the heart of it, right? We do the root cause analysis based on dynamic thresholds, based on anomalies. There are things that we As humans may not be able to pick out, but the machine can. So even if there are some anomalies in what we are noticing across the board, we can highlight it for you and flag it for you. Again, up to you on whether you want this to be an alert. Do you want it to be auto remediated? But this is something that we do for our users And I'll touch on the third one um, because Uh we talked about networking earlier. Um, That's the other piece of it, right? The AI ML-based analytics for network outliners are also in place so that you pull in all of that information and it's not in silos. We get this holistic view across all of these various factors and help our users to get to the bottom really quickly.
2: So walk me through a potential issue and and how... Mm -hmm. VR ops would be used to address that. So let's say I've got an application. It's running on VMC. Mm-hmm. it's, it's up. I can maybe get to the front page, but it's running real slow. Users are complaining. I'm getting help desk tickets coming in. Mm-hmm. How do I leverage VR ops cloud to help me get to the root of what's going on with that application?
1: Sure. So, a couple of things there. Let me uh, let me introduce you to something that we are uh, bringing uh, in the very near future: uh, synthetic monitoring. Uh, this is a big deal uh, for our uh, you know for our users to start doing synthetic monitoring. For example, for the use case specifically Ned that you said, it'll just bring that much more powerful um, resolutions for our users. It's coming. It's not there yet. Um, just again, a plug. Today, we realize Operations Cloud SRE team uses this technology, and so we are bundling it up and bringing it to our users to do the synthetic monitoring. So something, your specific use case, synthetic monitoring will be helpful even before you know, the problem shows up, right? You can go and set up and say, here's the way my uh, application is uh, used Here's the workflow. So, I want to go test it out. Um, so, that's coming. But even currently today, in the troubleshooting workbench, you can go and set up the workflows that you. Number one, you know, post a problem occurring, you can go and say, here's how I go about looking at this problem and I want you to record this for me and then make this part of what you, you VROps, keeps track of, right? Um, and I don't know if you have the time to do justice to the troubleshooting workbench, um, but that is a powerful tool we introduced a couple of releases ago that'll help our admins to double-click into such problems, and get ahead of it. Um, And I'll speak of one other thing, and then I'll I'll see if David wants to add. Um, Again, on the cloud, we introduce real near-time monitoring. Uh, What that means is currently for, uh, you know, on-prem product for all of our vSphere-based clouds, we collect metrics every five minutes. Now, that may be sufficient for 80% of the use cases, There are some where you really want that collection to be much quicker, right? And so we introduce something on the cloud side where you can go and say, for this workload, I really want five-minute intervals so that I can double-click and you can even adjust it to 20 seconds for short duration, right? Because otherwise you'll be um, buried with the metrics and data. So there is ways to adjust that knob depending on how critical the issue is, um, where you can see near real-time monitoring data and make those adjustments. So let me see if, uh, David, if you wanted to add anything more to that
3: yeah so i i you know with this awesome thing is i you know when we talk about you know the complete integration because you know we're using and needing information from everywhere to really get down to the, and we'll talk about intelligent troubleshooting. We have the full integrations with Skyline and that's that proactive intelligence. And we have, um, you know, the root cause analysis with uh, vres log insight too. And then that's what we kind of form and, you know, visualize everything through various operations cloud. So kind of let me kind of talk about it. So maybe first you're going to get these, uh, you know, uh, explosion of logs in your environment. Um, so what it is is when we have this automated uh, root cause analysis approach, it's able to detect and surface relevant logs uh, in terms of uh, log clusters. And then it's going to present this in a way where you can see this in various operations. So that way you're, you know, you're only looking at the, you know, with the reduced number of logs, it's going to show you only the significant ones that, you know, uh, that might be the potential root cause. Um, another thing is, you know, well, of course when we can have the integration with the skyline as well. So um, again, that the re- productivity and reliability uh, being where it receives data from the Skyline collector. So it performs you know, all its analytics, um, you align it with the VMware best practices and KB article with security advisories, and it's able to really help uh, identify these problematic areas that can be addressed with a recommended solution or an automated solution. So you think about everything from, you know, the, starting from a simple checking of data, uh, looking at your configuration, the patch levels, and then also all the way to the complex uh, complex across cloud checks as well. So I mean. When we talk about this, I mean, for everything from uh, originating from a log to visualizing through the intelligent dashboards Um and super metrics and all the way up to, you know, the KB insights where you'll have the proactive intelligence with Skyline to really tie everything together to really help resolve and reduce that meantime to the resolution there. Um, and again, uh, looking at everything, not just specific problems, but the object uh, relationships, that I mean, from the pods, the clusters to the virtual machines, the cluster, to the data center, to the underlying hardware it's sitting on, or again, um, or it might be up into the public cloud that you might've deployed uh, these uh, modern cloud. Uh,
0: so. Oh, folks, I, I love management tools. I really do. And I appreciate the discussion here about what all VR ops cloud does. Got to get your, got to get that product name, right? VR ops <laughs> cloud. Uh, g- good stuff. Um, Anything that helps me visualize what's exactly going on in my infrastructure and get to the bottom of uh, problems, do capacity management. Fantastic. Um, Now I know there were some announcements at VMworld about enhancements and so on uh Sujatha, so can you give us a, an encapsulation on any any new and exciting things that we didn't cover today
1: Sure, let me give you a couple of them <laughs> There are too many but I'll, I'll I'll give two um one is that we have in you know, really redesign that experience with VRealize operations. So if there are users who've been using VROps for many years now, I want you to know that we are focused on simplifying your experience. The product is so mature, but we want to make sure that you are maximizing on what you've already invested. So what you'll see, the number one thing, as soon as you log in, once you've upgraded or if you're on the cloud, we've upgraded for you is that experience is become new. And so you can maximize what you already have in hand. And the other one I lead in is the point that I was making earlier about us really wanting to give you a differentiated, integrated experience as you consume more and more of VMware services. So if today you are already using VMware Cloud on AWS, we have introduced a one-click activation for VRealize operations. Truly, with just one click from your VMC on AWS, you can start experiencing cloud management. Um, And, uh, you know, you get a 30-day free trial. David can speak more to it. But, it's, it's at your fingertips. You already have VMC on AWS. One click, you can start VRealize operations and start managing your environments.
3: Check out our landing page. I mean, we do have the, um, the 30-day trial. Uh, within minutes, you can spin up your own instance, start modding your objects, and see how everything works. I mean, it doesn't take any time to deploy anything, configure everything. Um, again, just get that day two experience out of the box. And if you're curious to, you know, to to understand how to click around, you know, we do have our uh, pathfinder.vmware.com page that we have tons of level one, two, and three where you're gonna have articles and blogs, you have uh, videos, and we're gonna have uh, hands-on labs that will walk you through really that day two experience. So you can, you know, when you click that trial, You know exactly what to do look at the dashboards and see what's out of the box and how to configure your own custom uh, dashboards and metrics uh, for visibility
0: fantastic thanks to both of you for appearing on day two cloud thanks to vmware for sponsoring that is how ned and i feed our family so we do appreciate our sponsors (laughs) if you are out there listening and you end up going to vmware and giving V realize operations cloud a try. Hey, tell them you heard about it on Day Two Cloud and the Packet Pushers podcast network. We'd appreciate that. Virtual high fives to you for tuning in. You are a wonderful, wonderful human. If you have suggestions for future shows, products you want us to cover, vendors you want us to talk to, maybe you're an expert in something and you want to talk about your cloudy experience, we would love to hear all about that from you. You can hit Ned or I up at Day Two Cloud Show on Twitter, or go up to Ned's website, NedOnTheCloud.com, and you can fill out his contact form there. Did you know that Packet Pushers, that the Packet Pushers podcast network has a weekly newsletter, Human Infrastructure Magazine. Human infrastructure magazine is loaded with the very best stuff that we have found on the internet, mostly technical engineering stuff. So you can you know be smarter about your job from a week to week. Plus our own feature articles and commentary. It is free. It doesn't suck. We don't use your contact info. To sell. We don't sell it to anybody or anything. Just go to packetbushers.net slash newsletter, sign up, and you'll get the very next issue. And until then, just remember cloud is what happens while IT is making other plans.